go look for a job at a Bitcoin company. Whether or not they support any of it, you know, U.S. backing any of this, what that is doing <laughs> to our, the value of a dollar inflation here, it's undeniable. If you give someone the ability to create 2% of all the money in the world every year, it's going to end up in the world. It's going to reflect itself in the prices. Bitcoin is internet money. That's all I know. Explain it to me. So you don't need your employer match. Your employer match is what keeps you trapped at that job. Buying Bitcoin is what lets you go in there and say, I quit. Really all in on Bitcoin? And it's like, yeah, we are. We like Bitcoin. You're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Recefis. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience funded without ads or sponsors. Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this and for free, And what we're seeing today is that a lot of people are saying, feed. we're not going along with that <laughs> See? anymore. See? Our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media. And of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin. And the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money. And so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure. But if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola, Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Namaskara, Nepal. Sawadi, Thailand. Hola, Brazil. Good day, Canada. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. Buongiorno, Italy. Kamusta, Philippines. That's right. Philippines is actually... Top 10. Coming, no, 11. I mean, we don't really count the, the United States. Yeah. Right? Okay, like, sure. Yeah, top, top 10. Top 10 overseas. Top 10 overseas. Welcome. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Uh, we don't really talk about basketball. Uh, that's the only thing I really know about the Philippines, that they really like basketball. But they also have Bitcoin Island in the Philippines. That's where the real Bitcoin Ooh, Island you're is. You're right. You're right. I forget the name of it, but there's an actual island. They're all islands, right? But so... We got Bitcoin Island in the house. Hey, coming up right behind them. Let's just give shout outs to India, Indonesia, France, and Portugal. Not forget to say howdy, howdy to, to Texas. Texas. And uh, hello to the Netherlands. Netherlands. And hi to everyone else out there in the world. I hope you're doing well. Uh, as you listen to us, I hope you're having a good day. Did you have a good day, Ian? Um, I mean, you know, had a decent day. Work's been crazy this week. I've uh, been working until like, like 12, 14 hour days for the past week, but uh, it's actually really productive. So that, that's good. But I've just been in the basement for like four days straight. So. I know. We haven't even talked. So this will probably be the first time Ian and I have a real conversation that's not related to our child or jobs mm-hmm. in a minute. And I had my, you know, in office day today, I have to go in one day a week. 
So I, you know, actually talked a bunch today. I don't know how much work I got done because it was pretty dang unproductive. There was a lot of socializing, but I was a little chatterbox. My throat hurt by the end of the day and I was like, oh, great. Am I sick? Did I catch something from someone today? People be shaking hands out there. Did you know that? Yes. Shake hands. I said, I thought we were done with this. No, no, that's no. Look. If you're going to not shake hands, you may as well still wear a mask. I mean, I shook their hands, but then I, you know, it's cold and flu season. All these people have children. I have children. It is. I was watching a a, a video today. (laughs) Uh, I was watching a video, this like lecture on, um, you know, whatever Bitcoin related stuff. And through the whole lecture, the guy's like sniffling and sneezing into, uh, into like the microphone. And I'm just like, I mean, I want to hear what you want to say, but I don't know about the guy behind you. So many coughing people around me today. Um, but I will say like the air is dry. I was even coughing by the end of the day because the building is just, you know, the ventilation is not as great as the ventilation in our home, but still, why are we shaking hands? Because it's what humans do. You know, I will say though, since, you know, it's been a while since I've been going into the office, I used to wear heels. Um, and last week I wore flats and they had no arch support. My feet hurt afterwards. And I was like, oh my God, am I getting old? What's going on? And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear my sneakers. Gen Z wears sneakers to the office. Ian is in the tech world. He's been wearing sneakers. He doesn't wear dress shoes, but I'm like, you know, I'm a fancy work lady. So I was like, I'm going to figure out how to wear sneakers. I like did a bunch of searching online for like how women are doing this. And I wore like, you know, office gear with sneakers today. And it was the most comfortable thing in the world. So shout out to Gen Z for letting that happen. I saw this thing on uh, uh, Congress. There was like National Sneaker Day or something. And all these members of Congress were wearing their favorite sneakers. And it was like, there's this movement happening of people being like, why can't I just wear sneakers to work? Even if I work in an office. And it just makes so much sense. You walk around a lot. Hopefully you walk around a lot or like you get to walk outside, uh, go for a nice walk. Why are we wearing dress shoes? Um, because the employers had the power to dictate dress code. Mm-hmm. Um, and now if you want employees, you kind of have to allow them to be a little more what they want to be. Yeah. This morning I was like, Ian, do you think this is going to be okay? He's like, who's going to stop you? And I was like, yeah, who's going to stop me? I mean, like, there's small, there's like small versions of this and large versions of this, but I really think that employers overplayed their hand over the last couple of years. And when COVID ended, depend depends on who you talk to, if it's, if it's actually ended as far as the workplace goes, but like people actually got a chance to rethink their lives and rethink what they want to do. And now they're saying like, if you won't let me work from where I want to work, I won't work for you. If you won't let me wear what I want to wear when you force me to come into the office, I won't work for you. And as we're seeing a wave of baby boomers that retired during COVID, uh, people are struggling for employees. So the smart people are just going to kind of be like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the like sticklers that are like, no, this is an office workplace and you need to look a certain way. They're just not going to have the best people. And if they do have the best people, they're not going to be there for long because they're older and they're probably going to retire. Yeah. You know, I don't mind looking nice in the office. I tend to be the most made up. I I like, I like to do my hair and makeup. Like I always have, I do full face and hair. Like I just enjoy it. I do it for myself. 
Um, and I like to wear nice clothes, but I want to be comfortable. And it was so, like, it just felt so radical. And then once I did it, I was like, yeah, I could have, I mean, I guess this is more the norm, right? It's very stylish. I felt stylish doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I looked at other people and I work with people who are older than me. Um, I tend to be the youngest, um, which is funny now because I'm 37. I'm still one of the youngest people, if not the youngest people that I work with. Um, but I really do hope like retirement happens and it's more comfort because everyone looks like they're wearing a costume. And oh my goodness, most, if not all men that I work with wear suits to the office. And that's just like, the only time I ever saw men in suits in the past, like three years was like at our wedding. (laughs) Like why, what, what is happening here? You're really wearing out a suit. Like should be for, yeah, it's just, it's really funny to me, but. Right. But this podcast isn't about office attire. It's not. It's about rebellion and it's about being different and it's thinking for yourself. Right. So I thought for myself and I thought our listeners would like to know that. I'm sure they don't care. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) whatever. All right. Well, what time is it, babe? The current time is 812-972. And if I gave you one U.S. dollar, how many acres could I get on Bitcoin Island? Today, you could get 3,482 acres, a.k.a. Satoshis, for $1. And since we have not been able to prep for the episode, that's all we got. That's all we got. Uh, But I do know that the price of Bitcoin has gone up. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of news on that. We can get into that. Um, Let's get into it. uh, Yeah. So basically what happened was there's like a a cryptocurrency uh, news website. I forget the name of it. And they tweeted that the... BlackRock ETF got approved. Oh, it hadn't already? No, it has not been approved and it's not being approved anytime soon. But someone over there tweeted or insinuated that the BlackRock ETF was approved and you could literally see it on all the price charts. Bitcoin price like just shot up. Um, So there's been a lot of analysis of what happened. And one of the things that I find very interesting is that the price shoots up and it comes right back down, let's say within an hour or two, right? So as we've always talked about on the pod, when we talk about Bitcoin and the price movement, and I know we don't like to talk about the price, but this was a very interesting event. So I will talk about it in this scenario, which is as the ETFs have been discussed and people are trying to explain to people like what an ETF getting approved means and like how much cash is going to come into Bitcoin because of the ETFs and yada, yada, yada. People have talked about like, it doesn't take a lot of money coming into the market to move the price of Bitcoin, right? Because it's finite. So when you like reverse engineer the price movement over that two hour period and just try to extrapolate how much money do you actually think came into the market, it's not that much. And it moved it like 5%. Like how much money came in? How many... Bitcoin was bought in two hours. Like top end is probably like 30 or 40 million, maybe 50 million tops. So the SEC is going to know when Bitcoin pops. I mean, this was a trial run. It looks like, yes, that is definitely going to happen. Um, So yes, if you know when the, when the SEC is going to officially approve these ETFs, you know, when the price is going to move 
at least what it moved on this fake news from a not official source, right? Like this wasn't the SEC coming mm-hmm. out saying they were approved. This was a tweet from a news outlet that kind of follows this stuff. And so has the buying gone down? I don't do all of that technical analysis stuff. No, like the I, price isn't shooting up. It's stabilized, right? I mean, I'll show you a picture so you can understand what I'm talking about. Like it's on, it's in the strike app. It's, it's at every chart. <laughs> this yeah, week. I pulled up the app when you said the price went up. I do not check it. Right. Really. But like this, this is what happened. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it went up and to your point, it stayed up. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's actually still going up. Yeah. Right. But to that point, um, why has it not shot up to like insert some larger number that it has? Because the people that follow that particular Twitter account um, are all us already Bitcoiners, right? Okay. So it's not necessarily that, again, the ETF is going to bring in countries, sovereign wealth funds, right? Large entities with billions of dollars will, will be able to click a button and buy some Bitcoin. The price shooting up on this tweet that turned out to be not true is just current Bitcoiners buying more. So, we don't, so what? Like we know the price of Bitcoin is going to shoot up when the ETF gets approved. Right. So that's not the piece of information that's important from all of this. What's important is that if you do the math and see how much new money probably came in and the amount that it moved, Mm -hmm. and then you go look at how much new money is going to come in when the ETF gets approved. Mm, What's the math say? Again, like, you can pick different formulas. Everyone's got their own opinion on what they think is going to happen. But this was only possibly doubling the amount of buying per, mm-hmm. you know, interval per day um, at max, right? It doubled the amount. That's like the one that I've seen. That's probably the most aggressive, right? ETF is going to be orders of magnitude, right? So again, I'm not going to sit here and like break out a spreadsheet and do all the math for you. But what I will say is that it was a validation that the ETF is going to make the price move in a very aggressive way that people who are sitting on the sidelines saying, I'll wait till it goes down to get some more, right. Or to get some, mm-hmm. right. Like this fake tweet might've been your last chance to get it at that price. Cause we all know that it's coming. Mm-hmm. It might drop down again. I think the SBF, you know, story kind of the trial is going to probably put some more price suppression on it. But for the most part, like it ain't going down any further. Really? It's not. It's not like the, 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 the ETF is going to be approved. We don't know when, but there are some dates and things that say something's going to happen by this date. Something's going to happen by this date. Those dates aren't important. It's going to be approved before the halving. That you can Mm -hmm. be for certain. And if it's not approved by the having, it doesn't matter because the having is coming. <laughs> so like this last like six months, whatever this is, six, five months remaining, like this is what happened to me when it was at 3000 and I didn't understand. It sat at 3000 for a little bit and then it jumped to 10 and it never went down to three again. Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing. So let's just extrapolate it out here. It's at 3000, 30,000. It's going to jump to a hundred thousand and it'll never come back down below a hundred thousand mm-hmm. again. Right. Just saying history repeats itself, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that I want to just say, like, that fake tweet went out. The price moved up. 
reaction to fake news move the price. Reaction to real news is going to really move the price. What persona are we taking on today? Um, am I picking the persona? You can. Do you have one in mind? I don't know. I think the persona of a business owner is probably a good one. And I think the persona of a um, younger person entering the workforce. We talked about the older people retirement one. I think younger people, the different argument to make, but it's actually the same argument to make, right? Um, and I was just thinking about this like after our last recording because I used to work at this other job and I worked with this girl who it was like her first job and she didn't know anything about retirement accounts and all that fun stuff. And like, she like asked me, could we like go to lunch one day? And like, could I explain like the retirement account stuff to her? Like, Let me ask the old man at my job. <laughs> no, not really. It wasn't that it was just like, I would talk about money a lot. Mm-hmm. So she kind of knew that, well, he must, or assumed I would say that he must know something. Um, And like a lot of the stuff that I told her was technically correct. But if I understood Bitcoin the way that I understand it today, I would have told her something completely different. So like those two personas, business owner and like starting your first job, I think are two good ones. And I'll let you pick from those two. Let's do the youths. Uh, The youths. I mean, I think also another thing that's happening with young people is that they have very little hope for the future. So, mm-hmm. you know, is this persona someone who has a good job or is this someone who can't find a job who's really worried about, you know, how they're going to afford life? What are you thinking? Yeah, we can do both. I mean, I'm just thinking young person, full stop, whether you have a job or not. Mm-hmm. So which one is it? And it's a persona, so you got to start it. I, I got said the, the inf- youths. All right. I got the information. You got the question. So I think for young people, if they don't know about Bitcoin, like why would you think that they're not aware of what Bitcoin is? Because I think all young people are aware of Bitcoin. Really? You do? I think they're the m- most aware of it because they are the most online and mm-hmm. Bitcoin is the largest brand of cryptocurrency. And do you think that they think it's legitimate? I think that I would make a I would make an analogy to like I didn't go to college, but when my friends were in college, they were the ones that had all the music. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really make sense to me at first, but at college they all had really fast internet connections. They could all download all the music they wanted, right? I think there was a wave of kids in college who mined Bitcoin on free electricity in college. And I think there are a lot of kids that know friends who mined Bitcoin in college for free, basically, and are Bitcoin rich. Look, I agree with that. I don't think that's most young people. I'm not saying that's most young people. What I'm saying is that the young people understand what Bitcoin is the most. If you were to take like the generations, Gen Z, Gen X, Gen millennial, boomers, all of them, Gen Z knows, they all know what the brand Bitcoin is, whether they like own any or whatever, they know what it is. So it's interesting because I had an- All of your cousins know what Bitcoin is. 
I had an intern who maybe at the time she was 24, 25, 26. I kept in touch with her. She kept in touch with me and she still reaches out. I think she just like, you know, has good networking skills. And she updated me on her life. And I remember last year I said, yeah, this was, you know, this is what I've been up to, yada, yada, yada. And I said, oh, actually, my husband and I, we started a podcast on Bitcoin. You should definitely check it out. Um, I think it's really important that, you know, you explore this. And she was like, actually, my understanding is that Bitcoin's really bad for the environment. Um, and so it's not something I'm interested in. But you're proving my point. She knows what Bitcoin is. But she didn't know what Bitcoin was. No, she no, just no, knew no, the no, FUD. No, no. You said Bitcoin. She did not ask, what is that? Okay. She repeated the fact that she knew what it was and had an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. That is my point, is that they That's all know what it is. That's different from maybe our generation. People are like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Our generation has people who don't know what it is at all. Okay. So why do you think that young people who know what it is aren't into it? Because they are still trusting the information that is given to them from places that are not incentivized to tell them the truth. Okay. For example, two years ago, BlackRock was saying that Bitcoin was like the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Two years later, they're applying for an ETF. Yeah, but Gen Z don't listen to BlackRock. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the information is very similar to the young lady that I worked with at my previous job. Like she asked a person to tell her about money And the person she asked at that time did not understand Bitcoin very well. It was me, right? This generation, they know what it is. They they have been exposed to the brand. There's no Mm -hmm. way you can get around the Bitcoin brand. It's in pop culture, Mm -hmm. right? What they don't have is someone giving them like exactly what it is. So they can only go off of what's in pop culture. And right Mm -hmm. now it's either bad for the environment Mm -hmm. It's used by criminals Mm -hmm. or the scam or it's a scam. Right. And you don't see it portrayed positively in any pop culture. Yeah. Even on Silicon Valley, that was about technology Mm -hmm. and nerds. It was still like a running joke that this guy's like over here mining Bitcoin. Yeah. Also (laughs) using free electricity. (laughs) I'll say like for girls versus boys, women versus men, it is painted as something that like boys do in their basement. It's not something that girls are into. Sure. That used to be video games. And now they're like number one gamer in the world is like a girl Mm -hmm. because once they figured out, oh, I can be successful at this. And it's fun. And it's fun. You know, it's not a basement dweller thing. It's you can do it in your basement, but that's just where you choose to do it. You can do it in your bedroom. (laughs) No. Yeah. Like it's, it's no, like the younger generation knows what it is. Like in the ones that are curious about it will go become Bitcoiners. The ones that are not curious about it, it's because they're not curious about anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they haven't experienced the problem. So like uh, when I was 30, which is like 10 years ago, um, there was like this, this bar that I used to go to all the time. And this guy, what was it called? It's called Ziba. Mm-hmm. It's a bar here in DC and um, they should pay me for advertising. Uh, <laughs> no, but like there was this bar I used to go to all the time. And then there was this guy that used to always go there all the time also. And like one day we started chatting and he was like, yeah, I got this son, stepson, whatever. And he's like into fashion. Um, and you seem like a smart guy. Maybe you can like help him out, get his like website started or, you know, just talk to him. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. So, uh, I met up with the kid, smart kid, definitely smart. 
Like right off the bat, I could tell he was smart. He knew more about Bitcoin than me at that point. Mm. He knew about Bitcoin in 08, 09, mm. 2010, right? 2012, whatever. Because he told me that he learned about it at Occupy Wall Street. Mm. So that kid was down at the protest, camping out, protesting Occupy Wall Street. That's where he learned about Bitcoin. So there were plenty of people his age that were down at Occupy Wall Street protests all over the world. All of them know about Bitcoin. That was like one of the things that came out of Occupy Wall Street was like, hey, there's this new thing. Maybe it'll solve the problem. There were some debates amongst them whether they thought it would. But I remember this kid definitely, his name was David. This kid definitely was like, no, I got Bitcoin. And that was back when it was like $100. You know, so David, where, if you're listening, wherever you are, man, like Jesus, like, I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but he's definitely, if he still has his Bitcoin, he is Bitcoin rich. I hope so. He deserves it. You know, I, because he's curious. Mm-hmm. That's my point. He was curious. So he what was, if you're not curious? I don't, you can't fix that. So I'm thinking about people who are angry and I think young people are very angry. Couldn't that be a motivator? Sure. I mean, you know, this is kind of, you know, it's tangent, but like, this is something that me and my coworker have been dealing with this week. It's like, we're mad that we have to do all this work, but at the same time, it's like out of spite, we're going to do it. And we're going to prove like how badly it was previously done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the younger generation, like you can be angry, but being angry isn't enough. Right. Like you need you need to like take action if you're angry. And that's why this this kid that I'm talking about, like he was at Occupy Wall Street. He was angry and he went and protested. Like that's not my thing. I don't I'm not gonna go camp out and protest. That's not on that's we have not, a whole episode about how Bitcoin is a way to protest. Sure, but again, um for the younger generation, and I'm really just I'm I'm more like speaking to younger me also, which is it's it's very hard to parse out what the actual problem is that you're angry at to figure out what actions you should take to protest it. And the reason why it's very hard to figure out what to actually be angry at is that the things that are causing most of our problems are tapered over and masked as like, this isn't the problem. But at the end of the day, the problem is the federal reserve creates money out of thin air. You can draw all of our problems back to that. Number one, number two, they have normalized the idea that 2% interest is like good for the economy. Well, 2% interest over a hundred years got us to where this current young generation is looking at home prices being like, I'll never own a home. Mm -hmm. It's not like home prices just got there. This is what 2% a year over a hundred years gets you Mm -hmm. full stop. Right. Now, it's not necessarily over 100 years. It's more like since the 70s, 1971, to be precise. But overall, if you give someone the ability to create 2% of all the money in the world every year, right? Like, it's going to end up in the world. It's going to reflect itself in the prices. And I just think that young people, it's very hard to understand that if you go through the normal education process. So even your most like talented student at school, the smartest kid in your high school right now, who's going on to probably be like, you know, let's say he's going to, he or she is going to Harvard, right? Because he's like the top kid in his school. 
it's a 50-50 shot if he actually understands how the Federal Reserve works, right? It's a 50-50 shot if the brightest graduating high school kids in our country, even if they are mad at the prices of homes, understand why home prices are that high. And so it's, it's really hard to fight full stop, whether or not Bitcoin is the fight or not. It's just hard to get people to understand. And this is why when we first started this podcast, I was very adamant about talking about Austrian economics because that, stu- that school of economics is not taught by default. That school of economics makes fun of the people that give the information every day, like Paul Krugman and, you know, the other guys, whoever's in charge at the time, right? Mm-hmm. But Paul Krugman is like the whipping boy. Before him, Alan Greenspan, all of those guys that have sat up there and said how they were going to fix the economy, they all don't know what they're talking about. And or they know exactly what they're talking about and they're saying the opposite thing. Yeah. It's probably the latter. I think also in the context of what's happening right now, we have Ukraine for America, right? We have Ukraine and now we have Israel. And I think there's something like a $100 billion proposal to send to both of those countries. More, more. Sure. Probably. Yeah. That sounds about right. So I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw that headline today and I was like, I think at this point people are like, what? I think whether or not they support any of it, you know, us backing any of this, what that is doing <laughs> to our, the value or a dollar inflation here, it's undeniable. And well, I think how are young people reacting to that. Like if I was a young person and I didn't understand Bitcoin as an option, I would be so, I would feel so hopeless. Right. So the, 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 the insidious thing about no matter what country or conflict it is, no matter how much money it is, it doesn't come back right away. So all the money, forget about Ukraine and, and Israel for, for, for the time being, even though that's like Top of mind. Top of mind. Uh, the United States has acquired $2 trillion new debt in six months. $100 billion is nothing compared to $2 trillion in six months. Like, that's the number that you should be mad about. And the reason why they're able to do that is because during the last debt ceiling crisis, they just said, we're not going to argue about the debt ceiling anymore. So there's no cap. Mm-hmm. So now there's a there's so much incentive to be in power during this period of time when there's no cap. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're seeing not to get like super deep into American politics, but that's why people are like really concerned about the, who the next speaker of the house is going to be because they, at the end of the day control for the most part where that money is going to yeah. go. So like it's all a setup, it's all a ruse. And if you accept the fact as a young person which also I think is very hard to do as a young person because you tend to kind of believe that like democracy and voting works. And I think the older you get, the more delusion you come to that. But when you believe that democracy is like the solution and voting, if we just get the right people in, we'll like, we'll get the right policies and solve the problems, then you'll focus more of your attention on the politics part, right? Like you'll see people volunteer. This is a bad guy. This is a good guy. Sure. But like you'll see people volunteering their time which is the only thing more scarce than Bitcoin for politicians Mm -hmm. versus 
volunteering their time to learn about how to protect themselves, regardless of which politician is in power. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's the message that I think Bitcoin says quietly. Like we can say it out loud, but it's not until you start looking at Bitcoin and seeing the community and seeing how it works and seeing how the community talks about things like politics. How does the community talk about politics? Politicians don't matter. Doesn't matter who's in charge. They're all going to print money. Mm -hmm. And the fundamental problem is printing money. So it doesn't actually matter who you vote in. If you care about social issues, then yes, it at the end of the day matters who you vote in. But if you're indifferent to social issues, because the, the financial issues are what's actually destroying us from the inside, then you're like, I'm not going to focus on politicians. I'm not going to let any politician, no matter what side they're on, tell me that they're a Bitcoiner because you're a politician first. Oh, really? But I thought you supported some politicians who were Bitcoiners. I never said that. I said there are politicians that are coming out as Bitcoiners. I don't I support thought, any of but them. But Bitcoiners do. Bitcoins donate to their campaigns. I would argue that uh, donating Bitcoin to a political campaign is like proving that you're not a Bitcoiner. But Bitcoiners do. Look, there are people who have Bitcoin and there are people who part with their Bitcoin, (laughs) right? Like you don't see farmers donating acreage to politicians, right? So what about all of the, what about Kelly? What about him? He's a politician. He's all about Bitcoin. Yes. Like, I I see where you're going with this. The point is, is that they're all politicians. So it doesn't matter what they say. It matters what they do. Mm -hmm. Kelly is literally getting a new power plant built in his country that is paying, that is going to pay for itself because he understands what Bitcoin is. Like nobody else in the world is doing that. And so, yes, he's a politician, but his actions tell us Mm -hmm. that He is thinking about how to make his country better first, and he's using Bitcoin as a tool. Do I think that Bukele is a perfect leader? No. And if you're a person who cares about social issues, you will probably get up there and complain that he threw a bunch of gang members in jail because civil rights and all that fun stuff. But if you weren't experiencing what was going on in El Salvador, just shut up because no one in El Salvador is complaining. They were having a very bad problem, very similar not as on the same scale, but like very similar to what we, we are starting to see happen in American cities, just lawlessness. And here in America, people walk into stores filled with cameras and just walk out because they, fe- they don't fear any consequences. Now, you can argue at the end of the day, it's petty theft. You're stealing shirts from Target. No, no, it's a victimless crime, but it's not a victimless crime because what's happening is that Target is closing stores in neighborhoods that no longer have access to those things that these people were stealing, right? So like the politicians don't matter, their actions matter. And all of America's politicians for the past, my whole life, no matter which side they're on, they all printed money and they all justified it by saying, it's going to the, my thing that you voted for me to do. And no one really questions it because it's like, yeah. We wanted that thing to happen. Make it happen. If the way that you make it happen is you print more money, I don't care. The other side cares, but the other side doesn't care that you're printing the money. The other side cares that you're printing the money to do the thing. Yeah. Right. So politicians don't matter. Their actions matter. This is why I was saying about the guy in Texas. It's like, I don't think he's wrong for trying to get his city involved in Bitcoin. It's a brand. You want your city to be on the map. 
Bitcoin is a way to put your city on the world map. That's going to kind of come into play over the next 20, 30 years. That's great. Do I think he should be running a Bitcoin mining operation out of City Hall? No, I don't. We had a listener kind of give me some more information, said the Bitcoin miners were donated. The machines were donated. Cool. But even in the article that he linked to me, it's like, it sounds like they like let a contract out, right? Like it's not the city that like, there's more to it than just, oh, they donated some miners. And like, so we got the, the, the machines for free. It's like, no, someone still has to manage this. Mm-hmm. There's still a cost to it. So like the actions matter. When it comes to Bukele, the fact that he's getting a power plant built and the other things, we won't get into all the El Salvador stuff because this is a millennial or a, a Gen Z conversation. But particularly with Bukele, like the action that he's the actions that he is taking in his country today is going to dramatically benefit his Gen Zers. His Gen Zers are going to grow up with cheaper electricity than their parents. We don't live in that world. We pay more for electricity than our parents did. So bringing it back to the younger generation. If they are feeling hopeless, you say that Bitcoin is the way. I need you to expand on that though. Like, right. So explain to them why that is. So, number Bitcoin is internet money. That's all I know. Explain it to me. That's not, that's not why it gives you hope. Right. Like, just having a different currency doesn't, shouldn't, I would hope, doesn't instill hope in you. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, I'm a software engineer, right? I write software. Um, but if I had to like categorize um, or put a generation on the type of code that I write, I write millennial software. I write software for millennials. Um, Bitcoin and the things that are going to be built on it is going to be software for Gen Z right? Their, their internet world is going to be comprised of things that are built on Bitcoin. They don't exist yet all, but even if you use Venmo, it's going to eventually be Bitcoin behind it. Even if you use PayPal, all these payment processors, all these things are going to have some Bitcoin component to it. So it's going to be part of their life. But the reason why I say it's hopeful is that right now in Bitcoin, that is where all the opportunity is. All the opportunity as a software engineer, just stop there. You know, people ask me like, oh, I'm thinking about getting a new job. Like, what do you, where do you think I should, I'm like, go find a Bitcoin company to work for. What are the Bitcoin companies? There's a long list that I'm not, I'm not, okay. not going to go is, through it, but the is point. Is it like getting a job at Google? Getting a job at a Bitcoin company, not all of them, but for the most part, getting a job at a Bitcoin company is like getting a job in Silicon Valley back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't know who's going to make it, okay. but they're all working on stuff where. Nobody else is doing it. So if, you, if you're successful at it, you're going to be the first one to do it, right? Like Facebook was the second one to do it, technically the third one, right? Mm-hmm. So like the opportunity is there. If you're a hard worker, but you can't find a job, go try to find a job at a Bitcoin company because they need hard workers and they value hard work because a lot of these Bitcoiner, Bitcoiner companies were created by Bitcoiners like myself who work at companies that like, I'll just say their incentives are misaligned, mm-hmm. right? And when you're working on Bitcoin projects or Bitcoin solutions to, to problems that exist in the world, it tends to align incentives better, right? Like one of the things that, you know, why I would say a lot of people in the younger generation are 
hopeless is that, um, for lack of a better term, the catch 22 of you can't get a job without experience, but you can't get experience without a job. Right. Like that's like the running joke, right? Mm -hmm. Needs three years of experience. I'm 18. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. There's so little in the Bitcoin space that, and I've, we've talked about this on the pod before, like people are just hiring people who are Bitcoiners and being like, we'll figure out something for you to do as long as you're willing to work on this problem with us. Right. Like, we need people who are on the mission of Bitcoin. So if you were to, if you were to be a 21 year old and understand what Bitcoin is and you're trying to get a job at Google, I would say that's a losing proposition. You might get the job at Google, but you're competing against a lot of people with a lot more experience than you. So you better be the best 21 year old in the world, have the appropriate visas or be a United States citizen, right? And all the other things that go along with working at Google. Versus if you're a Bitcoiner, you can live anywhere in the world, get paid in Bitcoin anywhere in the world. You don't have to leave your home and go to Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. None of these companies have offices. They're all remote. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are going to build a network for yourself of people that are like trying to push you forward, not because they technically know you or like you or whatever, but simply because if you're willing to invest your time and energy into Bitcoin Base, we, we, I see it, right? Like I make decisions on what we do on the pod based on Bitcoiners. So like yeah. we make decisions based on, I would much rather work with a Bitcoiner because there's certain things I just don't have to explain to them. Right. Like I don't have to explain to our producer the value of paying him in Bitcoin, right? It's just understood. Hey man, shoot me an invoice. I don't have to explain what it is. Don't have to have him install some app. Don't, you know, like he's already ready to go. Send me an invoice, dude. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's just little stuff like that. Also, he can edit our pod better, right? So like if you're a person with like audio video skills, go help Bitcoiners make content. If you're a person who has social media managing skills, go help social media, go help manage marketing campaigns for Bitcoin companies. All the jobs are there. It's not just be a programmer, Right. But the problem is you have to be in the Bitcoin space to know those opportunities exist. Yeah, it's a very close-knit community. It's close-knit, but it's also no one, if you don't know me, no one's going to tell you, go look for a job at a Bitcoin company. They're going to say, you should apply to Apple. You should apply yeah. to Google. You should go to Meta, right? Like, that's the path. Don't go to those companies. They keep laying people off. <laughs> right, but that's the path. Yeah. The path is just like, go to those companies take their stock options and get a retirement account. Mm -hmm. That's the path. That's how I was successful. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for the younger generation that will, you will not be successful with that. Your stock options will become worthless because the value of the companies are going to go down because the stock market is probably going to take a haircut in the next 12 to 24 months. Your retirement account, you won't be able to touch for your entire life. So there's that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, when that company kind of has that financial problem, you might get laid off because you're the last person that they hired. Well, like let's move over and talk about retirement because I definitely know young people don't think about that too much, partially because it's money that you cannot touch. And so often young people avoid thinking about retirement until they enter their thirties because they're so excited to finally have some money mm-hmm. that they don't want to have to hurt with it. Um, so explain uh, with Bitcoin as your savings and retirement plan, it's different. 
you know, pretty much it's the same uh, that we said to the seven-year-old. And that's the beauty of Bitcoin, right? There's no different information. It's just you have more time for all those things to work in your favor. But I'll say them again. So number one, um, as I said, this young woman that I worked with, I told her, you know, you at least want to contribute up to whatever the employee match, the employer matches, right? So I think we were, it was like, they'll match up to 1% or 2%, right? I was like, yeah, just set it at 2%. You get a little extra money in your retirement account. It's like they paid you more, but you know, you know, whatever. Yeah, don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do that, right? Like, yes, you should set aside one to 2% of your salary. So I think the gut reaction that some people will have, because it's such a standard practice to at least match your employer, mm-hmm. explain more why they shouldn't do it. Because to them, because most people will say it's free money. So it's technically not free money, right? Um, but on paper, it's free money, right? So I'm going to make use some round numbers here. I don't know what her salary was at the time. And I don't want to like pretend like I did, but let's just say hypothetically, she was making $50,000 a year, it's probably more than that, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to say $50,000. Um, so if you put in 1% a year, that's $5,000, right? Employer match means they're also going to deposit approximately $5,000 into your retirement account. Mm-hmm. So you get a couple things working for you there, right? Number one, because you put into a retirement account, you don't get taxed on it. So you're going to pay tax on $45,000 instead of $50,000. So you're winning on taxes, right? But taxes are theft. So, you know, whatever. Um, But number two is that uh, you now have an account that says you have $10,000 in it. So it's like you got paid $55,000 this year. So you feel like you're up. Mm -hmm. You're getting taxed on 45 for 55 that you made. Okay, cool. Well, you're a young person and I'm assuming as a young person, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of stuff. (laughs) So you, you have an emergency. It doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter what it is. You have an emergency. And let's say you need that $5,000 that you put away. It's in your retirement account. You can probably get at it, but there's going to be penalties. And then you're going to have to pay tax on it. And it's going to mess up your taxes. And as a young person, you're going to see a tax bill, which most people aren't used to seeing a tax bill because you always kind of end up getting a refund, right? So people who bank on getting a refund every year, getting a tax bill is like, that's, that's painful, number one. Um, number two, the this emergency that you're experiencing, um, it's probably not going to happen every year, right? So let's just be generous and say you have like a serious emergency every four years, hypothetically, mm-hmm. right? Where you need to get at that $5,000, right? Got to donate to your presidential candidate every four years. <laughs> I'm well, like, I what picked, else happens? Oh, the having. <laughs> yes. I picked four years for the having. That makes right? more sense. Okay. So, uh, you could put 1%, which would be $5,000, and get another $5,000. So you're going to get $10,000 in your retirement account, four years, $40,000. Uh, let's be generous and say 7% uh, compound interest. I don't know what that is. I'm going to round up and say $50,000, right? Okay. So you got an account, a retirement account with $50,000 in it that you technically cannot touch versus having $40,000 worth of Bitcoin that when the halving hits miraculously jumps to 40 from 40 to $80,000, well, $100,000. It would be 20,000. Yes and no. 
This is why I picked four years. So on average, Bitcoin goes up 100% every year. Mm. So these retirement accounts that you put your money into, 7%, 8%, 9%, 10% is the average. And that's a, that's a high average if you're getting 10% a year. Bitcoin for the last 14 years, on average, which means some years have been higher than others and some years have been down, but on average, 100% a year. Now, that's not going to continue forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say it drops down to 50% a year. That's still 10 times better than your retirement account. So you don't need your employer match. Your employer match is what keeps you trapped at that job. Buying Bitcoin is what lets you go in there and say, I quit after four years because you bought Bitcoin for four years and now you literally have an entire year's worth of money in your bank account. You can go take two months and find a better job and not have to just, you know, swing from one job to the next, Mm -hmm. right? Or like a 3% raise. Right. So what Bitcoin does for a young person is maximize their time and their earning potential. Because if you can uh, leave a job and you did nothing different, all you did was put 1% into a Bitcoin instead of a retirement account. I'm not saying buy more. You could buy more, right? Buy 2%, (laughs) whatever. But what I'm saying is that Instead of giving it into your retirement fund because your employer matches. And, and putting extra rules on your money. When you convert 1% of your salary into Bitcoin, you're removing rules from 1% of your money. Now, for example, let's just say you're an you're, uh, you're, uh, immigrant on a visa, right? And for some reason, we kick you out of the country because your visa runs out or whatever. Okay, fine. And you had a United States bank account. And I, this happened to one of my coworkers. They had a United States bank account that they couldn't get their money out of because their visa got revoked. I don't know the details. All I know is that she did not have money when she went back to India. If your money was in Bitcoin, that ain't happening. That ain't happening, right? So by putting 1% of your money into Bitcoin, like you would a retirement account, you are actually buying freedom. And I hate saying it like that because it sounds like slavery, right? But there are stories of slaves who saved up and bought their freedom. (laughs) They did not buy their freedom in printed money. They brought their freedom in gold. Like that's the part of that story that like when we hear about slaves buying their freedom, we don't actually think about how that mechanism worked. It's just like, oh, that's like a great story to tell. And like, Even though slavery was bad, like some slaves bought their freedom with gold. Mm -hmm. They did not buy their freedom with paper money that was being printed in the colonies because that stuff was being inflated like crazy, which is why when they created the Constitution, they specifically put in there, you cannot create money. Now, what they didn't say is you cannot borrow money. And that is where we end up with where we are today. And I won't, I won't go too much off tangent there, but like by buying Bitcoin, it is the equivalent of a slave socking away little bits of gold (laughs) and buying their freedom one day. And it sounds funny and, and it is funny, but like hypothetically, without saying how much Bitcoin we have, I'll just pick a very large number. Let's say Bitcoin goes to $10 million a coin tomorrow. I'm done. I never have to work for another project manager. I never have to work for another VP of engineering. I never have to work for another CEO. I am done. I never have to wear business casual clothing. Sure. You got your list of things too, right? Okay, cool. As a young person, 
You just have more time to get to that point. You have more havings in Mm -hmm. front of you. As a 70-year-old, I don't want to be mean, but like you got like maybe four havings. You're lucky six havings, right? You're in your 20s. You got like maybe 20 havings in front of you. And you don't have to buy a lot. I think the, 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 the pricing pressure and the mechanism of why it appreciates is, is never going to go away. Now, how much it moves up, when it moves up, that's all debatable. But if you're just saving 1% of your salary every year in Bitcoin, it is going to perform better than buying any like, you know, shares in your company or contributing to a 401k or any of that, like it's, it's already proven it for the last 14 years. And you can argue that like the first four or five years were like a fluke because it just appreciated so much and no one really knew what the price was. But like, as we started the show, a fake tweet went out and it moved the price, but it didn't move the price like 10 X. It moved it like pretty much any other news would move any other stock. Right. Like you've got some crazy news about Tesla coming out. Tesla will move like four or 5% in a day. That's mm-hmm. not a crazy move for Tesla. Right. Or, or Facebook or any of these technology companies. The difference is that Bitcoin is just is like, there's no product. There's no like, Oh, the thing that, uh, Tesla- yeah, it's just more people have figured it out. Exactly. And that's yeah. just going to continue to happen. So you can assume that there will be more demand in the future. So as a young person, the main reason why you want to get into Bitcoin is that you just have more havings in front of you. And once you understand the having and understand the pressure that it puts on the price of Bitcoin every four years, uh, you can contribute to a retirement account if you want, but the money that you're going to save from reduced taxes and the money, extra money you're going to get from employer match still doesn't even come close to what Bitcoin's done every year on average for the last 14 years. So your beef with how I approach talking to a yuppie was leading with the having, but you're saying to Gen Z, the having is the key. Look, it doesn't matter if you get in right now or four years from now or whatever, you need to learn about Bitcoin. And in learning about Bitcoin, you will learn about the having. But as we compare it to retirement accounts, the having is what makes your retirement account basically worthless. The having makes retirement accounts worthless. And no one is really saying that right now because there are a lot of people who rely on people contributing to retirement accounts. But BlackRock, when they launch their ETF, is going to have to start saying certain things about Bitcoin. They've already started saying a few, but they're going to have to start talking about Bitcoin in a way that it's kind of like, why do we have all these money managers? Like there are a lot of people who manage retirement accounts, Mm -hmm. but if you're telling me there's a thing that performs better than any retirement account has in the last 14 years, Bitcoin has outpaced every retirement plan, account, fund, index, everything has underperformed, every real estate, Tesla, everything has underperformed Bitcoin since Bitcoin's inception. And I don't have to worry about following a stock ticker and the news about it. I just kind of buy a little bit every day. Mm-hmm. and it performs better than any retirement account I could ever imagine. And I don't know why, but I also don't know why my index fund goes up either. I just want the best thing. That's the trick. It's the best thing. The having is what builds your conviction in Bitcoin. And the problem is, I think what Gen Z has working against it is that they have grown up on their phones and they have short attention spans. 
So following something for four years is very hard. Studying something like Bitcoin for four years, that's not like a college course that you're forced to study is hard, right? But it's a free college course. It's actually the only college course you need to take. Everything else will, will extend from that and you will find what you're interested in from studying Bitcoin. It sounds crazy, but you know, from Bitcoin, you can learn about energy, you can learn about economics, you can learn about engineering, you can learn about software, you can learn about politics, you can learn about everything, but you will learn about it from a Bitcoin way of thinking. And then you might be the Bukele of energy or the Bukele of whatever thing that you're interested in. Because Bitcoin makes everything a little bit better. Does Gen Z have a presence in the Bitcoin community? There's a, yes, there's, there's, there's a few. A few, but yeah. everyone's kind of old. Because we understand the problem with money. Okay. Right? So like a lot of people in the space that are, when I say like people do the math, mm-hmm. they're like 55 and up. Right. I would never think to do that math, but when I see the math, mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't got to explain that to me twice. Mm-hmm. Right? So when someone's screaming, like, you know, they put on $2 trillion in six months, it's like, yeah, it might be a Gen Zer, but it's probably someone 35 and up. All right. So like, so we're, I'm still a youngin in this game. I mean, sure. Like, you know, <laughs> but, thanks God. But that's the thing is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not even like looking down on younger generations or Gen Z being like, Oh, why don't you get this? I get it. I didn't get it. I knew something was wrong. I knew that something was wrong. That's why I didn't go to college. Like I would joke and say like, Oh, I didn't want to borrow $20,000 to go party. But like the irony is that you tell someone today it was only $20,000. It's cheap. Why didn't you go? I know. Right? Like that's right. So like, but I knew like, why am I borrowing money to go to school? Like they just let me do a bunch of it for free and I really didn't learn anything. Why would I go into debt to do that? I went in the Air Force instead. And so instead of like being, you know, 19 and having thousands of dollars of debt, I was 19 with a job. It wasn't like a high paying job, but it was a job. It was servitude. Whatever. It was a job. And it, my, my salary increased. Um, I I've, I've always had a job since I went in the air force. I have a lot of friends that went to college and have had periods of their life where they did not have jobs. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that's fully cause I went in the air force and they went to college. What I'm saying is that there are other options just like how there's more than just the dollar. Yeah. What worked for your parents is not the winning strategy, unfortunately. And you have to come to the Bitcoin space to find the new winning strategy. Or fortunately, I think what we think worked for our parents' generation, we've seen a lot of struggle. We've seen a lot of uncertainty and we've seen a lot of suffering. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of families who have not survived the past two decades. Most families have not survived the past two decades. Yeah. That's why over 50% of our country technically is in poverty. Mm-hmm. And that's in the United States. Mm-hmm. That means that like 90% of the world is in poverty mm-hmm. and we can talk about all the geopolitics and all that fun stuff, but it all fundamentally comes back to the United States federal reserve, which is not even the federal government prints as much money as it wants. And then the United States uses that newly found money to buy its way and its policies into effect all around the world. And what we're seeing today is that a lot of people are saying We're not going along with that anymore. That is at the heart of why Russia invaded Ukraine. 
It is literally, we are not going along with your unipolar new world order. United States is in charge. And I don't necessarily want the war in Ukraine to continue. I don't want war to break out anywhere. But I think what we're learning about in Ukraine is that they're not going to lose. By they, I mean the Russians. They're not going to lose. So you're not going to be able to fight to keep your power position. The United States is not going to be able to fight to stay in power anymore. And that's all the money in the world is not going to fight against the Russian military. Unless you're going to start literally dropping pallets of money on yeah. Russians, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and so Russia is led by Putin and Putin is relatively older, but there are a lot of young leaders around the world. Um, you're seeing a lot of it in, in Africa right now. The sub-Sahel, sub-Sahara, the Sahel of Africa and, and all those countries are led by young people and they're revolting and they're, the West is trying to make it sound like they're doing something bad because there's always violence during a revolt, but what they're revolting against, I get it. I get it. I don't know how to resolve it without violence. Now there is a way to resolve it without violence, but the United States isn't going to choose that. So you have to make the choice for yourself. Going back to politicians are not going to solve the problem. You need to solve your own problems. And the first problem you can solve is having your energy. You wake up every morning, you eat a bunch of calories, you do a bunch of work, and you convert that into what we call money. You got to convert that money into the best money in the world. And the best money in the world is Bitcoin. And so if you can convert all of those calories into Bitcoin, you will be able to pass on the fruits of your labor to your kids or at least to yourself in the future. And there's nothing the United States government can do to make your Bitcoin worth less because everything they do will make your Bitcoin <laughs> worth more. And so if you think the United States is going to stop printing money, by all means, please stop. Don't buy Bitcoin. But if you're alive and breathing and have been watching the world, it ain't going to stop. They're not going to stop. They're addicted to it. And we don't know how it's going to end. You just need to protect yourself for when it does end. Um, and that's why I think older people get it because they might not have been around, but their parents were around the last time it ended and it did not end well. So read up on history, read up on the people that did protect themselves during the great depression. They don't really talk about that. You know, they always talk about FDR and the, and the new deal and how he helped all the people that didn't protect themselves. They don't tell you the stories of all the people that were able to protect themselves, but I'll tell you what. Their names are on a lot of buildings that you walk in and out of every day, <laughs> mm. right? Their descendants are our politicians, right? The Rockefellers, their, their descendants are on all our news networks, Anderson Cooper, all the people that protected themselves from the last financial crash, all their kids are in charge right now. And they don't tell the story like that. They don't tell the story like that. They just say there was a great depression and everybody was hurting. No. No, there were people drinking champagne during the Great Depression. And those people's kids are running the world. Are running the world. And they ran the they're running the world because their parents were able to protect themselves from what is currently happening to us today and is going to continue to happen to us as long as the United States keeps printing money. So maybe your kids will be on 
the CNN of the future because you bought some Bitcoin, right? Maybe your kids will be a senator or a mayor or a governor because you bought Bitcoin and your neighbor didn't, right? It's that simple. That simple. Do you think that that's actually a compelling argument for Gen Z? I think Gen Z is the young generation of the Gilded Age. Mm-hmm. And again, you got it. You got it. It's more than Bitcoin, man. Like, this is why curiosity is so important. You got to be curious in history. You got to be curious in things. You got to like read books. Pop culture is not necessarily important. And the more we get into like this financial crisis, the less important pop culture is. I think the thing about social media that Gen Z has to its advantage is that if you show the algorithm some interest, it'll keep feeding it to you. The thing that I think Gen Z is really good at is calling BS on stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, even while things are happening in pop culture, Gen Z sees it for what it is. Like, they'll be like, wow, the PR team's working really great. Like, they pick up on it so quickly. They understand what's being fed to them as manufactured. And they know how to enjoy it without ingesting it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting that they haven't taken on the leadership role of Bitcoin. And, you know, I'm a little worried because older tech people in general don't necessarily know how to pass the baton. They're going to want to stay in power as long as they can. And I don't think being a Bitcoiner like sheds you of that ego. Um, but Likely, you know, the younger generation is going to come in with their own ideas in this industry and maybe they'll become the leaders there. But I actually have more respect for younger people than older people, Um, especially Gen Z. They've been through so much and they understand the world better than we do. They see it for what it is more than we do. Um, And so I'm hopeful. I hope that they embrace Bitcoin. I hope that they find some security in it. And they like, you know, lead the way and they can hopefully bring the rest of their communities along for the ride. You know, they can bring their parents on and their friends. Uh, But I have to be honest, I don't really know any Gen Z Bitcoiners. I mean, I have one coworker that I guess is maybe in that bucket, but um, no. We don't know a lot of Bitcoiners anyways. No, Bitcoiners, no, but like just Gen Zers, like mm-hmm. I, I have one person that I work with that might, might fall into that bucket. I'm not, you're not allowed to ask people's ages. So like, you know, whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, no, I, I think that like, do they wear sneakers? No, I'm just kidding. You're, I don't know. You're we're, virtual. On <laughs> <laughs> we're on zoom. Right. Um, but no, like, I think that I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's a accepting responsibility thing. And I think historically young people are just not responsible Right. Like, I think that kind of goes with youth. Right. The younger you are, the less responsible you are and the less responsibility you'll you'll take of, let's say, your life. Right. And so. At a young age, there are still people that are like. It's me, it's only me, I'm responsible for me, like no one's going to come save me. Right. And I think those are the people that are. If you're a Gen Zer and you're that mindset then Bitcoin is definitely for you. Right. Like, like I've said, like, I don't have a retirement account. I stopped contributing to that. And a lot of people would say that is crazy. Not only that, but like, I am now responsible for protecting my money. 
Most people won't assume that responsibility. But if you do assume that responsibility, you get all those other benefits, Mm -hmm. like the appreciation and outpacing all those other retirement accounts. So it's really a matter of the more, the more responsibility you are willing to accept in your life, things will get harder. Yes. But Bitcoin is one of those things where it actually will make your life easier. And it will make it easier for you to protect yourself in all those other ways that you want to protect yourself. Um, Because if you're a teenager and you learn about Bitcoin and you go on the internet and you find a job and you get paid in Bitcoin, like we've talked about this on the show before. My friend, my friend, like he was a video gamer when he was a kid. He was making thousands of dollars, but he needed his mom's permission to like open a bank account. Like you're literally like prevented from your earning potential. You're not a full citizen. Well, in the current system. Mm -hmm. But if you move to Bitcoin Island and you live in the Bitcoin Island world, if you live in Bitcoin land, it's, it's almost like a, I don't know if you've read the book Ender's Game. Mm -hmm. It's Ender's Game. It's just, we just want the best. We don't care what age, creed, color. There's nothing that will stop your earning potential in Bitcoin land. Nothing. Nothing. If someone wants to pay you a full Bitcoin to do a job and they can send it to you no matter what job, is it a hit? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it sounds messed up, but like if you're a 12 year old assassin, AKA, you know, the best assassin, Leon, what? the professional Natalie Portman, they still got to make that movie. But like, if you're the best assassin in the world getting paid in Bitcoin, well, the assassin that's getting paid in dollars is probably going to get caught. <laughs> so like be the best you can be. Um, but anyway, no, that's my point is like, you have, you have freedom, right? Like Bitcoin gives you the freedom to live that alternative path that most people have shaken their head at most of their lives because it doesn't come with a retirement account, right? Like, or a pension, right? Cause before retirement accounts, it was pensions. I don't even think people who aren't into Bitcoin consider getting rid of their retirement plan and like just having, I don't think that crosses anyone's mind. I think people have asked me like, are you guys really all in on Bitcoin? And I say, it's Ian's retirement plan. It's not, I haven't done it yet, you know? Um, and they're just like, that's crazy. Aren't you worried? And I'm like, no, you don't listen to our podcast. I'm not worried. Aren't you worried? Aren't you worried about your retirement? Like, well, well, like this is look at your own money and look at what's been happening to it. Well, this is like a, this is a good example, right? I, I mean, I'm truly worried about mine. I need, I need to figure it out. I, I think like this time last year, I thought, well, Ian's going all in on Bitcoin. I'll, I'll stay where I am and that way we'll be diversified. But do we need to be diversified? I don't well, think so. So here's the deal, right? Um, I don't know what your retirement account really looks like or the amount that you have in it or what the money is invested in. And here's the beauty of, beautiful thing about Bitcoin. I don't have to know. All I know is that Bitcoin has outperformed you. Yep. So if you're literally just concerned about saving up for retirement, you do not have your money in the best vehicle possible. It's that simple. Now, if you tell someone that you stop contributing to your retirement account, yes, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. But that's just because they don't understand what Bitcoin is. That's fine. They don't have to understand what yeah, Bitcoin is. Yeah, it's not a conversation I really want to have with people. Well, I'll be honest if someone asks because they want to gauge the conviction of our household when it comes to Bitcoin, right? Like we have a podcast, but are you guys really all in on Bitcoin? And it's like, yeah. 
I mean, look, we are, we like Bitcoin. I don't, I don't know. I can't really, I can't really speak to your life experience, but my whole life, it's always been, are you sure? Right? Like I went into the air force and they're like, but you're like really smart. You should go to college. Mm -hmm. And I would always say, don't you think the smart guy is making a smart decision? Like your assumption is that I'm smart, but now in this one decision, you're like, you're wrong. You know, I do. Yes. Because I've definitely picked a a certain life that's easy. And a lot of people always tell me, you know, you could make a lot more money. And I go, I don't want to make more money. I want to have an easy life. I want to be able to work eight hours a day. I want to be able to take off whenever I want. I want to be able to go on vacations as long as I want. And people look at me like I'm crazy. Sure. Now, the trick there is everyone should be able to do that, right? Like you have a lifestyle. I'm assuming your lifestyle meets your needs right now. Mm -hmm. You're not like, I need more, right? Um, I mean, I would love to work less, (laughs) but I actually think I work a fair number of hours. And I think when things are busy, I actually don't feel burnt out, but I've, I'm very strict about my boundaries, but I do not make as much money as I could. I think I could make three times as, as much as I make now. If I went after a job where I worked a hundred hours a week. Yeah. But that would suck. Right. Yeah. And I'd also be working two and a half hour times more than I do now. Right. Where, I mean, not to go too deep into it, but like to the youths out there, Calculate how much you work by the hour. And if you're working 70 hours a week, your salary is less than you think it is. Sure. Because uh, your salary was set at 40 hours a week in America anyways. So, um, but, well, the point I'm getting at is, is more around that lifestyle comment. So you could make more money. And then, you know, the, the, the running joke is that you have lifestyle creep, right? You make more money, you buy more stuff, you take on more debt, right? You got a, you got a, a, a car payment, you get a better job, you get a better car, a bigger car payment. Well, bigger car payment usually means more expensive car, usually means more insurance. And before electric cars usually means more expensive gas because you got to put premium in it, right? So like that lifestyle creep, yeah, 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 fixing a BMW is more than fixing a Civic, right? Okay. But if you don't have lifestyle creep, what do you do? You have all this extra money lying around in theory, right? You've, you've met your lifestyle goals and everything else. You're, you're probably going to still make a little bit more money than you did the year before. Yeah. What do you do with that extra money? Well, a rational person says, I save it, right? Okay, cool. Well, now where you save that money is how you can beat those people that work 80 hours a week, right? Yeah. Maybe not in that week, maybe not in that year, every four years you beat them. But I don't even think you need to compare yourself to other people. I think you need to, I actually, I love this saying, like comparison is a thief of joy. You have to sit in your own life and you need to decide every single day what you want your life to look like. And you need to also hook up your future self, right? Like I like to do things for future Mandana all the time um, because it's easy to just do stuff for present Mandana. Um, And so for me, it's so easy to think, okay, if I just work a little bit more, 
if I do that, if I take this on, oh, it could really help my career and I could do that. And, but then it's like, but I, I don't, I don't want that five years from now. I don't, I don't want those responsibilities. I have a really strict thing where I don't want to supervise people. I've done it once before. I don't want to do it. If I supervise people, of course, I'll make more money. My career will improve whatever the hell that means. But I don't want to be responsible for the emotions and livelihoods of other people. I have zero interest in it. And people look at me like I'm crazy because you know what? I'm a good leader. I'm a, I, I, I lead projects really well. I get stuff done. I'm nice. You know, people are always like, you'd be such a good boss. And I'm like, that doesn't mean I want to be one. I just want to be assigned work and I want to do it. And I want to close my laptop and I want to go play with my baby. And like, especially as a woman, the way that I get judged about it. And I'm just like, no, look, I don't need to have the highest title. I don't need to have the highest salary. I need to figure out what life costs and how much money I need to be able to set aside for my future. And that's enough. And I need to figure out how to live off of that. And I think that's a harder calculation to do with inflation and everything that's happening around the dollar right now. But if you understand Bitcoin, if you're saving in Bitcoin, you'll relax and you won't have this nagging feeling every single day that you're not making enough money and that you have to make more money. Yeah. Everything is cheaper. Everything is, gets cheaper. You feel safe and secure in your plan and you're not just panicking over the raise or the bonus or, 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 or I have to find a new job because I'm not moving up fast enough here or whatever that is. Like, sure. I think some people love playing that game. I think some people love living on LinkedIn and networking and finding the best opportunity and being able to announce the new title that they get. Like, look, that'll just never be me because I'm, I'm not trying to compete with anyone else out there. I'm trying to do the least possible. And I think, you know, that's probably a different mindset that someone in the younger generation would have, right? Like you're young, you should be curious, you should be hungry, all of those things. But I also think you should find the easiest path. You should, I also think you should find the easiest path for yourself. So I think while you were making decisions on what path you were going to take, not going to college was a different path. And I don't think the military is an easier path, but I think just generally you pick jobs that were the easier option. I mean, I don't know if easier is the right term, but you could use that to describe it. Um, you know, so many people used to ask me, this was years ago before like the massive tech layoffs was like, why doesn't Ian work at Amazon? Doesn't Amazon pay so much? And I remember before people had asked me, working at Amazon sucks. Working at Amazon. They like work people. They hire you to fire you. Yeah. They just want to burn people out. No, but their, their policy is like you hire 10 people and you fire seven every year. Mm -hmm. And that's how you end up with the best team. Yeah. And so it's like Thunderdome every day. Yeah. And, but you, you know, in that one year that you work there, you can make a ton of money. Yeah. That's why people go into it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go down that whole rabbit hole of tech industry jobs, but the, the, the bigger point that I want to get at is you, you said it in, in your, in your little, um, you just said it 
that I was waiting for you to finish, which is, you know, things get cheaper for you, right? And if you're saving up for a goal and that goal looks really far away and you don't do anything different, but the goal gets closer simply by fact of you made one decision, which is I'm going to save for this goal in Bitcoin. Like, yeah, Gen Z, you will be able to buy a house if you save in Bitcoin. Like full stop. Like I will make that promise, right? Like it might be five years, 10 years, might even be 15 years. Most people don't get their first house until they're like 30 anyway. So like, there you go. Maybe you'll get it a little bit early, right? Um, You're saving up for a car. You're saving up for anything. If you get, if you're saving up for anything and you put two halvings between you and that thing, it gets a lot closer, a lot faster than if you were saving up for it in just dollars. And that is why I think it gives hope. You got to be in it and you got to let it, you got to let it happen and you got to be patient. And I think that's what works against the younger generation with their, their phones and their internet. They get swept up in the latest thing. They sell their Bitcoin and get into the new thing that they heard about. Cause a lot of people are getting rich on that. That's, that's discipline and, and, and all that fun stuff. But Use the algorithm to your advantage. Tell the algorithm that you're interested in Bitcoin. Don't tell the algorithm you're interested in crypto. Tell the algorithm you're interested in Bitcoin. And I promise you, you will find the content. You will find the talking points. You will find the people with the information other than this podcast that will, somebody it will, will say it the way that it needs to click. It might not be me. It might not be Michael Saylor. It might not be Luke Borles. It might not be British Hoddle, but there's someone out there making content that will say it, that will make it click for you. That's literally how I got into Bitcoin. I just told the algorithm that I was interested. I do not listen to the majority of the people that I started listening to. There are so many YouTube channels. I'm just like, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. That guy's full of crap. That guy's full of crap. But they gave me enough information to keep me going. And they said a couple of things that ended up being true that kept me in it. And I eventually became what I would say is a Bitcoin maxi. But if you never put your foot on that path, you'll never, you'll never get there. There's a, there's a Buddhist saying, which is to put one foot on the path is to complete it. You just got to put one foot on the path of Bitcoin and you will eventually become what I would classify myself as. It's almost guaranteed. That's beautiful, babe. It's almost guaranteed. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first stats, which are fractions of the Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode 
episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.